male fantasy. Uh, power armor. Power armor. Uh, friend. Co-worker. Friend. Associate. Acquaintance. Person. Tommy. A person. Asked me about power armor. And he phrased it in a way that of course would get me very interested in the topic. Because I hadn't thought about power armor that much. He said, what bugs you about power armor? Because if you said like, what's good about power armor? I would be like, well, it's fictional and I don't care. So whatever. Then he, phrasing it in a negative way so I can, like, put the analytical part of the brain to work. What bugs you about power armor? That got me thinking about power armor a lot. So the first thing I did was look at different types of power armor. You'd be like, so I went to different franchises, and I I broke it down into three main types, which then would be unique unique to each individual franchise they came from, or something like that. So the first one would be the tight-fitting exoskeleton style. And so, of course, the first thought that comes to mind is Iron Man. Iron Man is a type of power armor. Uh, It's a computer. It makes him stronger. He can shoot lasers. He can fly and stuff like that. Then you take a step further, and it's power armor, but it's, like, expansive on your body. So it's making you, so I'm six feet tall, it makes me about 10 feet tall. It gives me giant arms and I can move. So it makes me into a giant compared to a normal person. If you look at Fallout, the video game, it has power armor. It's called the T-60 or the T-51B. I looked up some. I actually gave up looking up the names really quickly because, of course, they're just made up too. The classic to me would be the 40K Space Marine. So space marines are genetically enhanced, and that actually might come up later. But uh, they're bigger, and then their body armor, their power armor, makes them massive. And they have guns and powers. I actually don't know much about 40K, so I don't know much about the abilities of their power armor, but it's clearly very important. So the space marine, if you have an image of your head of power armor, you actually are probably thinking of the space marines from 40K, even if you've never heard of 40K. Uh, Master Chief from the Halo video game, which just became a TV show, which I was going to watch tonight, is interesting because he has power armor on, but it doesn't seem to do much. It actually seems like just armor, and it has like sort of a heads-up display and stuff like that. Uh, It has some kind of shielding, maybe. But then he has re-entered atmospheres of planets while wearing the armor, and it hasn't burned off, so it's clearly something different. I actually think he doesn't count. Avatar... If you remember that movie, because I actually struggle. Avatar was the biggest film ever? Made the most money or something like that? At, certainly at the time. I I don't remember much of the film. I remember the blue people. I remember them touching tails, which I think was sex, if I'm correct. Uh, I remember the guy was in a wheelchair, and then he went into the VR world. Uh, did he? Maybe? No, actually, yeah, I'm failing on most plot points. I do remember when Power Armor came up, the bad guy had the Power Armor, so it had the big, giant robot in just his tiny head, and and he was like, let's go get them, because they're aliens and not humans, and therefore they should be (laughs) murdered, even though we've come to their planet. I think there might be an underlying message there that is relevant to me in some way. So you have tight, so so the way I did it, it was body, power, armor, and then body, power, armor, plus. So 
Iron Man has a suit, but it's the same size. Master Chief being like seven feet tall, he has a suit, but it actually doesn't make him bigger. But then you get to Avatar and, and, and these other ones, those suits make them gigantic for humans. Then you get to the actual giant power armor suits. Now that's where it could be questionable. Is it, at what point is it no longer power armor? where it's actually just a ship you fly. So like then I was thinking that the classics like Gundam, Evangelion, Pacific Rim, and Pat Labor and stuff, they all have pilots in a giant human-shaped suit. But you could argue that that's not power armor anymore. They're just a flying human-shaped tank. I made a mistake. If I finish my drink now, will that make the burping... It will make it worse for a short period, but it might finish it off. Let's find out. This is the the glory of Twitch and editing at the same time. Because on Twitch, we're not escaping the tangents where I stop caring about what I'm doing. Uh, And editing means it actually becomes a tight 20 minutes. I've already talked for six, but I think I've actually done three minutes of content. I've only really explained the premise and I haven't been able to take a drink because I keep wanting to say stuff. Mm. Top quality content, watching a human being drink some Coke. I suppose I technically now should switch the channel thing to mukbang. Ah, mukbang where you drink cola until you vomit. How much would that be? That would be like a liter. If you just did it straight, I think I could drink a liter over the course of the day. I would still feel bad, but if I just drank a liter of Coke straight, you know, consistently, I bet I would throw up at the end of that. Nothing to do with power armor, unless power armor probably often... Oh no, do I have to leave this in now? Power armor probably gets covered in blood regularly. And the corrosive nature of Coca-Cola... It's actually really good for cleaning blood off things, which you probably didn't know. Um, When there's a car accident, in North America anyways, a lot of cops, if they're highway cops, will actually keep like a pack of Coke in the back and they'll just pour it on the blood and it'll just wash it away, like the blood on the road. It's really gross, but I think I'm going to cut that part out. So let's get back to it. So there is the question of, are these giant suits power armor? So I'm going to say yes just so that I can talk about them. That is actually the only reason. I'm not actually classifying them. I think there is a separate argument to be had there. Is it a, is it a vehicle or is it a suit? Because I think they treat them like suits. I know in Gundam, the robot has AI and then the pilot and the robot can be more in tune and then it moves better. And then Pacific Rim, a film I did not enjoy very much. They had the two pilots, and if they were in sync, the machine moved better. And it took on sort of the attributes, I guess. Like they could, they, they were more capable. It, the two pilots was really dumb. I think we're going to get to that later. But let's just get to some of the fantasy elements. So what does it do? What does Power Armor do for you? In all these fictions, there's sort of a universal. It makes you stronger. I think that's pretty much given. It makes you faster. It has massive armament. So like even the, the, the suit, the Tony Stark suit, it has the big blasters. I know it. it's got a name. 
be i almost said proton beams but that's ghostbusters but it's got the big beams uh he can fly i mean that's really it he just gets more complicated lasers and stuff he has the little missiles in the early ones but he actually kind of seems to go away from missiles and physical things i guess they would have to be reloaded whereas then if you you stick with energy wet based weapons you wouldn't have to reload you just have to keep your uh his little heart chest gem his gemstone that I'm now thinking Sailor Moon, like the gemstone he keeps in his heart. He has to keep that powered up with love. These are all piloted by people. So you could even say the Tony Stark Iron Man suit is piloted. So there is that element to it. Um, and it makes the machine an extension of their body. So that was kind of my base definition. Like, it's questionable... Because if you have an airplane, is that not exacting the exact same way as one of the giant robots? Which is a weird thing to say because the giant robot being piloted by a human seems to have a different feeling. And I think it's the uh, ability of articulation and it being human-shaped, which makes us feel like it's less like a vehicle and more like an extension of the pilot. Whereas a ship, uh, a fighter jet, pilots might see it that way but us as casual viewers wouldn't see the same sort of immediate connection there was an episode there there was one of the interesting things the old 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 star trek uh there was one of the uh abilities i think it was the green magic ladies you fell in love with them because of a pheromone and it didn't work on captain kirk who was sort of the reputation wise one of the lustier members of the federation who kind of bedded down aliens all the time or was it me? I don't know. Anyways, I remember that the whole the, the thing is Spock comes in later and they're like, why didn't the magic pheromone that makes you fall in love work on Kirk? Because it worked on Spock, if I remember correctly. He goes, the problem is it will only work like you, you need to have the space to fall in love in your heart. And Captain Kirk is already in love with his ship. And I, as a kid, was like, oh, that actually is pretty good. Like he, his, his first love is the ship and no love with another human would actually over be able to overwhelm that. He'll always have his first love and his first love will always be the ship. And then in the, the reboot movie, there is the scene where Captain Kirk rolls up on his electric motorcycle and looks at the ship for the first time. And it's, it's, I was like, ah, yeah, I get it. They are still making it so that he's still in love with the ship. But that kind of connection would be deeper if, that ship is moving as a human being moves. So I actually can accept that as a premise. So what are my problems with all this uh, is really the question. The question is, what do you not like about power armor as a concept? And I, I really think there are a ton of problems. One of the first arguments I had with uh, my associate, Tommy, who is wrong in this case, let's be very clear about that, uh, was like the Power Rangers are in these vehicles and those vehicles transform and connect into a giant robot that they all pilot, which doesn't make any sense at all to me. But I was like, they're in like a car, that car then all twists and turns. Often it looks like the person in the pilot seat would be crushed to death. And then there was no space. Sometimes in those shows, they all move up to one main pilot area when they make the the main giant robot ship. There's no explanation of tube spacing for them to be moved up. So I was like in my head, they probably get liquefied 
sent up a tube and then flushed into a tub and then reconstituted into human beings, which is a very complex process for something that's very unnecessary when, yeah, the whole connecting ships together to make a giant robot was kind of dumb. I actually was never on board with that even as a kid. Maybe because I never had those toys. I had Star Wars toys. That was the coolest toys I had was the X uh, the TIE fighter and you press the button and the two wings popped off. Broke pretty quick. So it's piloted by a person. So the first thing is uh, the giant power armor. Not, not the giant robot one, but the one that makes you big. So body plus is the way I was going to do it. The body one, it might be okay. So if you think about Tony Stark... Uh, it would be disorienting. So in the in the full body suit, the Iron Man suit, because it's your your arms, your limbs are not longer. So he could have a better sense of phys- physical space around him, what he can and cannot do. I would be, I can accept that. You get into the Space Marine armor, and the uh, oh, was the the aliens had the Caterpillar P five thousand work loader. And it was that big thing that Ripley got into and it had big arms and stuff. But you think the limbs are a length different from what you're used to. It actually would be very difficult to manage. So, of course, there would be training and stuff. But I actually think one of the biggest problems would be transitioning from outside to inside the armor. Because your arms don't just naturally... You you don't have a sense of how far your arms are. Because how are you connected to it? And maybe that is my primary complaint about all power armor. So the Space Marine, he's in this suit. Now, again, I don't know about 40K, so I can't say much. I think they never actually leave the suit, which is the only way it would work for me. Because if you transition inside and outside of the suit, really what's happening is your arms and legs change in length, which would make you very clumsy. Now, the suit could do... It could adjust on your behalf. It could balance you when you're about to take a misstep. But then you get to a point, well, then why is the pilot there if the, if the suit can do it itself? One of the things I found weird about Gundam, they did imply that Gundam has uh, an AI machine core that connects to the human and they work together. And by working together really well, it becomes this like ultimate fighting machine. But... I, even when I saw that as a kid, I was like, well, then why is, the, why is the pilot there? Because that seems like the human brain would be less effective. Because the machine actually knows what it is. It knows how big it is. It knows how fast it can move. And one of the things they're always going to do in these fictions is try to push the human within the suit to its limit which is probably less of a limit than the suit itself. So you can see where my final complaint is going to be if you can uh, uh, sort of... That, that's almost like foreshadowing of what my actual complaint about all of these things are. The change in length of your limbs, perspective, that would be problematic, I think, is the first thing. And they never deal with that. I've never seen them deal with that. If you exist only in the suit from that point onward, your brain would adjust that my arms are not what, two, three feet long. My arms are now seven feet long. And that is 
after a while how I could do it. But if you ever came out of the suit, you'd keep grabbing for things that weren't there anymore. I think that would happen, which would be really interesting. Like taking a pilot out of his power armor who had trained exclusively to be successful in his power armor, he wouldn't be successful as a human being anymore because his perspective on everything would be off. He would think that's six feet away. I should be able to just pick it up. And then he would like go to grab it. But he's like, oh, I actually have to get up and walk over there because my arms aren't that long anymore. But then when he goes up to take a step, He's used to taking bigger steps and he doesn't realize like I have to take four more steps to get to where I would normally in my power armor, that kind of thing. So I think the brain adjustment would be harder than they present it to be. Although there was an experiment, uh, and this is a real life experiment where they put almost, it looked like a submarine thing on a guy and it was a set of glasses and the glasses flipped the world. So when he put the glasses on, everything looked upside down and he wore it all day every day for a week i believe and it took i think it was a full 24 hours or something for his brain to adjust because the brain is surprisingly malleable but i don't have a lot of faith in humanity so (laughs) for his brain to adjust to be able to basically walk normally without stumbling with everything upside down and then when he took the glasses off after the week-long experiment it was the same. There was like a one full day adjustment period for his brain to be like, oh, this is how the world looks. But then if that is the case, let's say we take that as fact, which it probably isn't because that was a single experiment with a single person. So maybe that person's brain was particularly malleable. Maybe they were very flexible in the way they think and how things work. You put it on someone else, it might take longer, it might take less. But that would mean there is a full day adjustment period between getting in and getting out of your power armor before you would be at like 100%. So you would have to get in the power armor a day before you were needed for battle so that you could be most effective in battle. So then, uh, get into some, some, oh, and yeah, that also goes into depth perception. So uh, they're looking at screens a lot. So like one of the most common scenes in Iron Man is like you see Robert Downey Jr.'s face as Tony Stark. And they put the overlay over him. That's really bad CG. Actually, don't go back and look at it too carefully. Someone pointed out that the CG in the Marvel movies, uh, the human head is always very floaty. There's always like some really dark shadows around it. Once you notice that, it actually kind of ruins the movies because it makes the CG look really shit. I didn't notice until it was pointed out to me. So now that I've pointed out to you, you're welcome. I've now ruined Marvel CG for you, which is, of course, 90% of the movie. But there's that overlay of the HUD, and the thing is, when you're just looking at the screen, depth perception would be affected. And then the helmets, I assume that the the little eyes are actually two cameras, because again, you need 3D depth perception to be able to hit things, because a lot of the power armor, it's not just, you know, uh, weapon, distance weapons, it's not guns and stuff, or lasers and stuff, or missiles and stuff, it is super big swords and and hammers and and spikes and chainsaws and things like that which you actually have to hit people with which means you need depth perception to be accurate but you would need it to be this going back to my first point you would need it to be accurate to your size so i would need to have a perfect sense of depth perception for my six foot long arms so that i could hit things so that i wasn't overextending. Uh, One of the biggest things, having done judo my whole life, is when someone goes for a big grab overhand, it's very easy to throw them. That is actually like is one of the biggest gimmies in a judo fight. If a guy puts his hand over too far, 
you just turn into it and roll and he'll get thrown. It's actually all his own momentum. That's one of the most classic judo things ever. But if I was going to go hit someone with an axe and the sharp end is at the very end of the stick and I go to hit him and that overextends and I just hit him with the stick, I'm not doing half the damage I should be doing with my power axe. I assume it's not just an axe. It has to be a power axe of some sort. Maybe it vibrates or rotates or has like energy in it or something. The solutions to that get pretty hardcore pretty fast. So at Evangelion, they put the pilot in a tube and they drown the pilot in this like liquid. So of course he can still actually breathe. But I think that was supposed to be a pressure adjustment thing. And then once they're in there and they've drowned properly, they can pilot and they get connected, but they actually wear this like hat and it connects to all their brain waves and they have to sync up with the robot or it doesn't work. And there was a lot of that. That was actually, again, the, the two pilots in Pacific Rim the whole point was they needed to sync up with each other and work together. And this was, I think, supposed to be some kind of weird bonding thing, which I don't go for. Um, and they had to work together. And the better they worked together, the more effective the giant robot was. And it was connected to their brains. And that doesn't make sense to me. Because if you are connecting it to their brain, you, you would actually be better to just plug it in completely. So they're not looking at screens. They're not looking at monitors. It goes in through their neck, through their spine, up right into their brainstem. And their brain then becomes the machine's brain. But then they wouldn't be using controls. They wouldn't be doing any of the things physically. They would just be a brain entity inserted within the giant robot or the power armor uh, because that would be more effective. They wouldn't be seeing from their perspective. They would be seeing from their new perspective, which was the body of the machine they are inhabiting. And that's why I think if you are going to do power armor of any sort, it would be a huge mistake to make it that they would be able to come out of the power armor. Because that, to me, would be the part where your body, your brain doesn't adjust fast enough. And if you made it so you could plug in and plug out really quickly, so you got a USB in the back of your head, uh, so we have to get past USB-C, so it's USB-F. So you plug in, so you get into the machine and you plug in your brain. Your physical body should shut off. You shouldn't be moving at all. And then your your consciousness transfers to the controls of the, the power armor. That seems like it would be the most effective thing. The other thing about Pacific Rim. <laughs> Pacific Rim was one of my least favorite power armor fantasies. I didn't enjoy the film. I found it dull. The, the battles weren't very exciting. It seems like a lot of times when they do this giant robot stuff, they just make it make them move really slow, which is less exciting than you would think. Uh, with two pilots, I thought like it would be really hard for them to sidestep. Sidestepping is a very important skill in combat. So if it's... Honestly, these giant robots and stuff, power armor, a lot of it has to do with physical combat. It's not shooting missiles. It's not flying away really fast. Um, Gundam does that, but they're in space, so they move around really fast and they shoot a, a barrage of missiles and stuff. But then they do have swords and shields, so they're actually getting up close and doing uh, physical combat. But they're flying, so they have jets and stuff all over the, all over the, the ship. Again, now I, now I immediately start ship changing from power armor to ship. But Pacific Rim had them doing physical combat with giant monsters. And two pilots sidestepping at the same time seems like a really hard thing to coordinate. So this was, again, sort of their minds had to be in tune and stuff. And it just doesn't make sense. It seems like more work than it's worth. And I, 
wasn't deep enough into the Pacific Rim movie to remember the reasoning for two pilots over one. I'm sure it had to do with just brain and processing power and stuff like that. But it seemed like as soon as I saw the combat, I'm like, you couldn't coordinate two people that closely unless their brains were connected. At which point, if their brains are connected, you don't have, again, shutting down their bodies actually makes more sense. Also, there's comes to a secondary point, which I actually was interested in. The points of articulation don't need to be human anymore. So I have an elbow. My elbow, you know, it goes left and right a little bit, really just goes up and down. Let's just be really simple about the idea. But it goes straight. Mine doesn't extend particularly far because I'm not that flexible. And it goes all the way up. That is the points, the main point of articulation of my elbow is up and down. The point of articulation for power armor of a robot doesn't need to be limited in the same way. It could just be a joint and it could swing 180 degrees. So it could go all the way up. It could go all the way down. The human brain would have to adjust to that, which I see is a very, very difficult thing for the human brain to adjust to making something move in a way that I cannot physically move. Because the idea is that in the armor, it moves like I do as a human. But really, why would you want to limit your power armor to just moving like a human when it could actually just move like a human plus. So the physical addition is great. The speed is great. I think those could be adjusted to, but being able to uh, move my knee joint in the exact opposite direction with no physical pain would be pretty awesome because then I could do more complicated movements. But then if I'm in the suit moving it with my hands and arms, which is kind of what they will apply for a lot of power armor, then we can't make that part of the machine because I can't move my elbow further. So how do I tell the machine to move my elbow further uh, backwards? Uh, we have like a couple of movies and stuff have had guys like dislocate their shoulders on, on purpose so that they could move into a smaller space or uh, was it a lethal weapon? He, he gets out of a straitjacket by dislocating his shoulder. We've had a lot of people dislocate their thumbs so they could get out of handcuffs, stuff like that. It actually would make perfect sense that not only could you dislocate your shoulders on power armor, it could actually be on a track so you could move them behind you and then do something else with them. You could become like a, a four-legged machine all of a sudden, moving more like a dog or something to get over certain terrains, more stealthy, more quickly, things like that. Can't do that with a human pilot in there because they physically couldn't do that the same way. Uh, so that's, that's sort of the limitations of the human body. If you're putting a human body in power armor, become the limitations of the power armor in a way which is pointless. Why am I going to make this thing to, to limit it in some way when I could come up with something more creative? Then when you get down to the smallest power armor, so again, I, I kind of stick to the, the Iron Man one. There's a limit to sort of the pressures or stresses that the human body can take. So sometimes uh, Tony Stark has done things that the armor could handle, but the soft, squishy human inside probably could not. And that was something I was very, like, always kind of in the back of my head, like, wouldn't doing that break his arm, his shoulder, tear all the limbs apart, all his muscles would get torn? Because, yes, the, the power armor is doing work, but he's still in there doing stuff. Uh, and then when he gets hit, like, maybe the armor absorbs a lot of the shock, so he doesn't get, like physical damage from uh let's say he gets shot by a bullet so like when you wear body armor 
it still would knock you down. It still actually does internal injuries because of the shock. But in, in the, the Iron Man suit, he's like crashed into the earth. He's been shot by missiles, things like that. He got shot by a tank. That would collapse his lungs. You would have to be in the bigger, bigger ship for you to be able to be shielded from that. And then do you want to disconnect the power armor from the pilot physically in such a way that they don't feel pain so that there's no indication of injury? So like maybe red lights and stuff, but then I'm like, oh, well, something's wrong, but I don't know what. Uh, I've played video games where the physical indicator isn't clear enough, so I died a lot more because I didn't actually know when I was hurt. It actually could be something like that could be problematic in power armor. So you can see I'm moving towards the human being the least necessary part of the power armor in most cases. And the most successful version of power armor would be the human brain is included, but the body is not. So you take my brain, you connect it to the power armor directly, my physical body shuts off, my consciousness transfers to the computer of the machine, and then I pilot the machine that way. It is my new body. But that takes us to a second step, a second sort of step away. Why have the human there at all? If you have AI, you could just have an AI control it. Now, of course, that leads you to all the great stories where you have the AI decides that the person who created it needs to be killed or it decides it, it's become self-aware. Those are all great stories. I always really enjoy those. So you want a safety protocol in place. Uh, I want the machine to be able to do everything the machine can do. I don't want to be limited by the physicality of a human being or a human body. So I would make it a remote drone. And that to me is the most silly, nonsensical part of power armor is why aren't these all just remotely piloted? Why do you put an actual person inside of it when you could have just a dude sitting in a bunker? It could be close to wherever they're fighting. It could be in a ship above in an airplane or a high altitude spaceship, a satellite, something like that. They're in there piloting. There might be a delay, but again, we're talking like uh, future science fiction. So, you know, the delay has been taken care of. You, again, you might not even want to do it on computers and stuff. You might want to have me sit in my magic chair and I plug into the drone. So again, again, physically I shut off. The machine is down there and it's doing all the work. It's giant power armor. It's really cool. It has a scary face we've painted on. It, it has a giant axe that vibrates for some reason. And I'm doing that, and as it takes damage, maybe I feel it so it indicates it, so I know when I can retreat, I know when I can push forward. But there's actually no sensible reason to put a human body in that position, because if you're at that level of technology, take the human out. They could still pilot it, so you don't have the AI problem. Uh, again, Gundam seems to be AI-assisted, which I'm fine with. That would make a lot more sense. So the actual biggest complaint I have about power armor as a concept is actually the human inside, which I think for us as people absorbing this kind of media or absorbing this kind of idea, the human inside is the bit we relate to. So that's why they have to put it in there. But it's actually the bit that makes the least amount of sense. So if you would like to argue with me, if you would like to complain or disagree, you are welcome to do such. Uh, you can send an oral message to speakpipe.com slash chunkmcbeefchest. And I will get the message and uh, I might do an update to this episode or some other episodes. I might actually do just like a viewer thing where people have tried to argue with me and I'll just, you know, disagree with them vehemently.
You can send an email if you want to be a little more traditional. Chunkbeefchest at gmail.com. There is all the things... (laughs) There's like Twitter and stuff. If you if you type in Chunk Beef Chest on pretty much any platform, uh, I'm probably if it has a Chunk Beef Chest, it's probably me. So you can send questions. If it's some other guy who's taken my name, send him the same question. He deserves it. Screw that guy. <laughs>